By now, you've probably seen ads about the water contamination at Camp Lejeune everywhere. People who got sick after drinking that toxic water are now able to seek repayment for their medical costs because of a new law, the PACT Act. What those other ads don't tell you is that because the PACT Act is a fresh law, it's important to find an attorney who understands the new claims forms. There is a limited time to file your Camp Lejeune claim, so you need a lawyer who can get it right the first time. The experienced team of attorneys at SickMarine.com is ready to file your claim. They will fight for you and they won't take no for an answer. Sign up at SickMarine.com. Hello and welcome to Enroute Excursions, where you will hear snippets of longer interviews that are 10 minutes or less. Here is your host, Dennis Sanders. It seems like it's harder and harder these days to meet and develop relationships with people that you don't always agree with. That wasn't always the case. In this snippet, you'll hear from me, where I talk about a, an experience that I saw 30 years ago between two women from various different backgrounds that were able to come together and support one another. So let's listen to my story. And um, I think people were, were interested in having her be on staff. There was a bit of a controversy, though, because at the time, and this was again in the early 90s, she was someone that was very much in favor of um, LGBTQ people, and especially in the, in the life of the church. And that could run, rub some of the evangelicals in the congregation the wrong way. And so I can remember that we had a, there was a meeting of the church after worship on a Sunday. It was a special meeting. Um, and so we were talking about this of, of whether we were going to hire her or extend a call to her. Um, and then there, uh, this woman stood up and she was uh, one of the members that came from the probably from up was from the evangelical side of the congregation. And I would think that she had what you could consider a traditional understanding of homosexuality. But here was the surprising thing. She spoke in favor of calling the pastor. Now here's something you should know. The pastor had been involved actually in the congregation, was a member actually of the congregation for several years. And the two women got to know each other. And I can remember this woman saying, we don't agree on this issue. On this one issue, they just did not see eye to eye. But this woman was a good friend. And she saw her as the right person for the job. What's so interesting about this story is that I don't think that that could happen today. Churches kind of like the one that exist, existed in D.C. aren't really 
exist in that way anymore. And in fact, in the years since I left, um, that church has become more firmly planted on the progressive end of Christianity. It actually formally left the um, Southern Baptist Convention. And, you know, I think we now live in a society where just like politics, um, evangelical Christians and liberal Christians have basically sorted themselves, and they've sorted themselves into different churches. And so they don't really know each other. And so it makes it a whole lot easier to highlight differences and then to demonize each other. The other thing that was interesting in the 90s, and this was also at the time that I was coming out um, as a gay man, was how some of these congregations that I was aware of, and and mainline Protestant uh, congregations, how they were grappling with this issue of of gays and LGBTQ people. And I would remember hearing every so often after maybe a difficult vote that maybe actually even went in our favor, there was always someone there that would say something to the effect of, now we have some healing to do. People had their views on these issues, but it was interesting that the emphasis was really on the the wider community and that healing meant healing of the whole body, that the relationship mattered. The differences, of course, on, on gay rights was there 20, 30 years ago. And the differences had always, I mean, probably had been there. But there seems to have been more of an opportunity back then for people to come together, for people to meet each other. They got to know people. Um, Maybe the best parallel is it was not unsurprising 40 or 50 years ago that people who politicians lived in Washington. They had, um, they bought homes, they worked together, their families mingled together. The people got to know one another. So even though they may have differing opinions on a lot of different issues, they knew each other. They were friends. But we don't live in that society anymore. We have so self-selected ourselves. And as I said, we've done that politically, but we have also done that religiously, that we basically now pick our friends, and that's it. We don't try to build bridges with those who might have different opinions. Which is funny, because as much as we say that we want... we want to have diversity, we too often want to basically be around people that all think the same. So why am I telling this story? I guess it's because it reminds me of how the church has become in many ways captive to culture. And this could be a wider issue on with other 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 faiths. Um, I don't know how that it affects Judaism or Islam. I'm kind of telling it from my my standpoint as a Christian. But we 
don't really know how to talk to one another and how to talk to one another with respect and how to value one another. Civility was the civic value. And I think it was even a moral value. But now that's become a dirty word. People now, when they think about civility, they think it more that this is some tactic to keep people quiet and to basically tamp down people who are shouting for justice. And I can see that. There are cases where people are trying to basically shut people up. That, that makes sense. Thanks for listening. To hear the full episode, please go to andrewpodcast.org. Take care.